0: This is an audio only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me Myself and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me Myself and Die on YouTube, Facebook or Rumble, or go to www.memyselfanddie.com. All of the show's playlists, social media links and other material can be found there. And now, Me Myself and Die. Balasub, forgive me. But somehow I think that you are not telling me everything. Is he telling him everything? I don't know. I think we're gonna wait to find out. <laughs> Well, hello, and welcome back once again to me, myself, and die I'm, as always, your intrepid host, player, and GM, Trevor DeVal. Thanks so much for watching, and as always, if you do enjoy the show, please do hit like and subscribe. And if you want to help the su- support the show on Patreon, the link for that is in the show notes below. And thanks to all of you who have already done so. That's uh, very appreciated. Thank you very much for being part of the family, so to speak. When last we left Arn Kalapuki, he had left the ragged coast behind and headed up to the north, and to the northeast, into the deep wilds, although he didn't know he was going to the deep wilds. He discovered that he was, because the area quickly became sort of uh, weirdly mystical. So mystical, in fact, that he ran into a character by the name of Balathur, who turned out to be an elf. One of the firstborn, one of the miraculous and strange first folk uh, of which is known very little because uh, the Ironlanders do not, in my uh, conception of the Ironlands, they do not interact with them at all. So, uh, in fact, they're, they're legendary. So Arn has sort of discovered this, this thing, this big deal that there are in fact elves in the world, although they uh, very much keep to themselves. He takes him to the community of Windhaven because it was discovered that Thaugalos the dragon had also been, at times, plaguing the elves. And so Balathur, and presumably Balathur's folk, had reason to also wish the, the demise of the dragon. So that is where we begin, as the platform that Balathur and uh, Arn were on rises up into the trees. Now, before we get on with anything, I need to resolve something. He had not uh, sworn a of vow, but he had undertaken a journey, and that journey was to find a weaponsmith. Now, we've come across Windhaven, so perhaps this is in fact where the weaponsmith is, presumably gonna be an elven weaponsmith. But we don't know that. So I could roll the old oracle dice to determine that, but instead, I'm gonna do something quite risky. I'm going to reach your destination, which is a progress move. Now this is dangerous because I've only got four hits on that chart. So there's a very good chance he could fail. And if he fails, that means something bad has happened and yada, 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 and we'll determine what that is. Looking for threes or less. Okay, well, we have a weak hit. (laughs) That was very close. A weak hit is okay. When the platform ascends into the trees, Arn is surrounded by several other wooden, mask-wearing individuals, all armed with spears, bows. He can't tell any details about their face. They're all slightly taller than him, much as Balathur is. Balathur says some words in what must be an elvish tongue that Arn obviously doesn't understand. The the elven guards sort of uh, lower their guard a bit, but uh, not entirely. As Balathur had told Arn, he was the first human to come to their uh, settlement in a very, very long time. So they're going to be very much on their guard. So the, the thing is, He will reach his destination. So there is, in fact, a weapon crafter here, but there's going to be some sort of complication. Let us determine what that complication is. If he can deal with this complication, then that will be a milestone on his vow as well. So 93, that looks like to me. It's a little cocked, but it's fine. Journey. 88. Journey, knowledge. Journey of knowledge, perhaps you could read that as. There is an elven weapon crafter here who can actually help him make the spearhead, but, the Weapon Crafter needs something. Arn is taken by this group of Elven Guards, after Balathu has explained the situation, across some of these graceful suspension bridges that connect the platforms one to another. As I said last time, the, the sunlight filters in through the, the trees, creating a, a dappled lighting effect everywhere. Greens and golds and the, the smell of, of fresh trees and air and vegetation are very, very strong in Arn's nose. He's sort of walking with a bit of a an awestruck, you know, look on his face. They cross to one platform and another, and they they go through the hollowed out areas of trees, and they they go past these these magnificent, almost mansions built of the trees themselves. But eventually, they come to what would be in the Ironlands, what would be like a. Um, a forge, basically, but this is a little different. This is, a, this is an elven forge. So, y- you know, it's not permeated with the cacophony of ringing metal and hammers and things like this. The elves craft their things much differently. In fact, I think it's quite a mystery how the elves craft things, and I don't think Arn is in any position to be, have those mysteries revealed to him. So, uh, as they take him towards this forge, I don't think Art's gonna be able to see much. Basically, everything is covered in. There's almost like a, a curtain of leaves and vegetation that, that prevent him from seeing too far into any one building. Balathur again exchanges words with the elf who's there. Who is the elf that is there? Who is this person who is the weapon crafter? Faraza. Character descriptor Faraza 59. Driven. So Faraza. Presumably an older elf, but what does that mean? I think the elves are largely ageless, so it's almost impossible, f- you know, to, to tell a, uh, an elf's age by, l- by looking at him. Also, he is behind a wooden mask, just like the rest of the elves that Arne has seen. Now, here's the thing. As Arn is going through this village, he sort of half expects to see a whole bunch of people come out, perhaps women, children, all that stuff, but he does it. He sees very few. In fact, the only elves that he sees are his escort, which is... Uh, Balithew and these other armed guards that are escorting them very carefully and very cautiously across these graceful bridges. Where are the rest of your king. Surely this cannot be all of your people. They are here, but they choose not to reveal themselves to such a stranger. They come to the Weapon Crafters' building. There is a forge of sorts behind the the vegetation and the sort of uh, uh, screen of, of vegetation and leaves that Arn can see through. But it's unlike anything he's seen before. He can't really get any details about it because he's kept from getting too close to it. In fact, as he sort of sort of peers in to look a little closer, ballasting with some of the other guards sort of, Interpose themselves between him and the Weapon Crafter's residence. Farazza comes out. He's wearing an ornate mask that is very similar to the rest of the masks. You know, different designs, different carvings, this kind of stuff. But he has a quick discussion with uh, Balathu. Balathu clearly explains the situation to him. Farazza turns his his ancient elven eyes upon Arn. Has Balathu explained to you what it is that I require? Farazza looks at Arn but does not respond to him. Instead, he turns to Balathu and he says some words in Elven. Balathu nods and turns back to Arn. Faraza asks that you produce the spearhead. Arn, of course, pulls out the spearhead, and as he does so, he hears something. It sounds first like the rustle of wind, but then he very quickly realizes it's the sound of whispering, and it seems to Arn that it's coming from the spearhead. This is gonna be important later on. You'll see why. Arn's eyes kinda of go wide. He's never seen this happen before. Balathu, do you hear that? I don't think Balathu does. I don't think anybody hears it but Arn. Balathu kinda of looks at him. Hear what, Einlander? Nothing. In any event, he holds up the spearhead. Here is Ulvata. It needs to be remade into the weapon that once pierced the height of Thaugalos the dragon. It can do so again, with your help. Arn gingerly puts the spearhead in the old elf's hands. The elf looks at it, sort of turns it back and forth. He, if again, if he has an expression, it's uh, unseeable past the mask. He, again, exchanges a few words with Balithu. Balithu kind of nods again and uh, turns to Arn. Faraza says he is, in fact, able to remake your spear, but there is a piece of knowledge required to fashion this object back into its previous state that Farazza does not possess. Well, what is it? What is it? What is it that Farazza needs? The journey of knowledge that needs to be, some some piece of knowledge that needs to be found. 25. Eliminate. <laughs> 36. World. Eliminate the world. Ah, okay, I have an idea. Farazza sort of, Steps back a bit He holds the spear out Back to He gives it back to Arn Arn gingerly takes it But Farazza kind of Stumbles back again And and kind of Clutches his head a bit What is the matter With your friend Our smith has been Plagued of late By dreadful dreams That have been Visited upon him By Some force That we cannot Access Dreams Of what nature That is the problem Ironlander. The dreams That are invading Farazza's mind And preventing him from completing his tasks. Do not emanate from his own thoughts. There's something outside of the world of elves that is plaguing Farazza that needs to be eliminated. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe it is. The thing that Farazza is being plagued by comes from the realm of the Ironlanders where the elves cannot go. And why cannot they go? Because, we will say, that the elves of the Ironlands are much like the elves and fairies of our own mythologies, repelled by cold iron. There is something that is plaguing this smith, causing him these dreadful dreams, but the source of that thing lies within a ring of iron standing stones. Those of you who know the Iron Ironsworn book know that one of the possible background options when you're designing the world is that there are these strange pillars of iron everywhere that are unexplained. We're gonna go with that. We're gonna say that those exist and that those areas are basically off limits to the elves. The elves cannot physically enter because they are repelled by that, that density of iron. So I guess the question is, what is it inside this ring of stones that's causing these emanations, these, these visions? let uh, find out, 47, reveal, 42, superstition. Reveal superstition. It's the place itself. There is a place not terribly far from here a place as ancient as the hills themselves. It is this place that is the source of Faraz's pain. He has always been driven to improve his craft. Perhaps he has delved where he should not have. We cannot go anywhere near it, for the iron stones prevent our entering. But you, Ironlander, you can. And once I enter this circle, what must I do then? What must he do then? It is the power of this place, so it's not like he has to kill a monster or something. Your task will be simple, Iron You must take an item that belongs to Faraza. We will give it to you. And you must take it into the center of this circle, place it upon the rock there, and say a combination of words, which I will teach you. What is this item? Faraza was driven to increase his knowledge, to improve his craft, and I think he... Sought out this place, thinking perhaps there was something in this forbidden place that he could use to to uh, increase his skill or whatever the case was. Uh, he, he paid the price for that. Now he's played by, plagued by these dreams. I think because he was driven to find ways to improve his smithcraft. I think that Arne has to take Faraz's hammer, his his forging hammer, and take it and basically break the spell that has been cast upon it that is that is uh, causing these these issues for Faraz. So I'm to take Farazza's hammer, put it in the center of this place, say a few words, and that will be that, and that will be that. Balathul, forgive me, but somehow I think that you are not telling me everything. Is he telling him everything? I don't know. I think we're going to wait to find out. <laughs> Swear to me, Ironlander, that you will do this. And in return, Faraza will recraft your spear so that you may... Continue on your mad quest to slay a dragon. Very well. I swear by iron and blood, I will do this for you. So, time for a new vow. I thought this might happen. <laughs> so, uh, uh, break the spell plaguing Faraza. So now he swears his iron vow, swears his iron vow. He's rolling plus heart, swears the iron vow. Oh, five, well that is a weak hit. Plus one momentum. And envision what you do to find a path forward. So plus one momentum means he goes up to momentum five. So the information that we already know is that this, this circle of stones is close. It's on the it's on a high hill in a in a, a you know uh, elevated part of the forest, not too far from here. He, he does have to safely get to the hilltop. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna give him a, a, a sort of a, a one-off roll to see if anything untoward happens. But it's not going to be a full journey. There's no there's no need for that in this case. You should be warned before you set off, Ironanda, that. Although the directions I have given you to the Iron Circle are accurate, and although it is not far from here, the place is beset and fraught with dangers all around. Perhaps you could join me, Balathur, to ensure my success. The Iron of the Henge repels my kind. You are on your own for this, Ironlander. I am certain that you will be successful. I am not as certain as you are. But I will do this thing. Over the next few hours, Ballastu teaches him the words he needs to speak. They're strange elven words, and they, they're hard for a human mouth to form properly, but Arn does his best. Arn gathers his materials and goes to set off for the Iron Henge. So, this is gonna be kind of a special undertake a journey thing. All he has to do is roll once. He just gotta get one success. Plus, width, which is not great, plus two. Six. Well, that is going to be a failure. It is not far. It's only going to take him maybe six, seven hours to get to this place. But he wanders off by himself in these dense, mystical woods with low mist and fog rolling along the the forest floor. The sounds of animals are everywhere, but they're muted as though they're coming through a screen of cotton. Pay the price. What is the nature of the perilous event? 86. It wastes resources. Okay, well that's actually not terrible. He's making his way through a particularly dense thicket that's along sort of a, a small forest stream. He's trying to find the, the, the correct pathway to take him to a spot where he can, he can find a better vantage point to see, you know, maybe the high point so he can see where he's going. But he, he winds up actually in the middle of this dense thicket of woods. And the woods, there's, there's, there's certain types of trees here who's, they're almost like rose bushes except without the roses. The branches and the limbs of these trees are sharp, with with sharp thorns on. And as he's he's moving along, the thorns begin to cut not only into his skin and into his clothing, but unbeknownst to him, as he's you know focusing on just getting through this thicket without having his eyes poked out by these thorns and such, the jagged limbs of these trees and bushes are are cutting into his pack. Finally, he escapes this place. You know, face bleeding from multiple minor cuts and lacerations, goes on another few minutes until he comes to the bank of this this small stream there to stop and sort of recuperate, rest, maybe eat something and he pulls out his water skin and he realizes that his water skin has been emptied because the thorns from the bushes have cut it open, emptying out his water skin. So he sets to stitching his basically destroyed water skin, but it's gonna set him back by two supplies. So his supply is going to go down to one. As the sun is beginning to set, In these thick, dense woods, there's a thick mist that that has congealed at the base of this heavily forested hill that he can see directly ahead. And at the top of the hill, there's a bald patch. And rising up out of that bald patch, almost like a series of silvery black fangs thrusting up from the ground towards the sky, is a series of jagged iron rock pillars in a roughly a circle at the very top. Obviously, he knows this is his destination. He steals himself and begins to move forward. Now, he has arrived here and it has cost him something, which means that he will, in fact, mark progress. He'll mark a milestone on his vow. He ascends his way, and I think by the time he picks his way up the steep slopes of the forested hill, he gets to this circle of stones. But by the time he gets to the circle of stones, it is full night. The stars are out above clouds scudding against the sky, a half moon providing enough silvery blue light upon the circle itself. All is quiet here, and in the center of the stone circle is a stone altar. He himself, being an Ironlander, is not particularly repelled by this. In fact, to him, it just seems like an ancient monument to some forgotten god, perhaps. Perhaps to nature itself, or perhaps to the fates. Who can say? He doesn't know. Is there some sort of mystical power to this place that is going to try and prevent him from bringing the Elven Smith's hammer into the circle? I think it's likely there's something, so 26 or more. Oh my goodness, no. He is able to enter unscathed. He steps across the threshold, one foot moving in between the large stones beside him. And they're they're tall, they're like 15 feet tall. They're smooth, but with kind of jagged tops. As I said, almost like like curving fangs emerging out of the earth. He steps inside, fearing the worst, thinking something might happen. His weapon's out, his bow out, I think. But as he looks around, nothing happens. Silence reigns and begins to think, hmm, all right, I can do this. <laughs> he takes a few steps towards the altar. Hello, is there anyone here? I think his words just evaporate into the night air. All is quiet here. As he gets to the stone altar, holding the hammer of Faraza, you can see bits and pieces have been chipped away over the course of the eons. He takes the thing, the hammer, and he sets it on the altar. And he begins to speak the words that Balithu taught him. So here's the thing. These are elven words, okay? Elven words that he is wholly unused to. But he has to get them right, because if he misspeaks, if he pulls an old army of darkness, Klaatu, brother, then that's gonna be bad. (laughs) So how is he gonna do this? He is going to face danger using wits. It's gotta be wits. Or perhaps he can gather information. Perhaps he's gonna, yeah, you know what? I think that Arn's going to investigate the area before he just starts in with this elven ritual. I think he's gonna have a a quick look around because uh, you know he needs to know if there's something, something else going on here. Plus two is, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> wow, wow, that doesn't come up very often. Luckily, that is a three, that is a success, that is a strong hit, and two ones means something positive happens as well. His momentum goes up to seven. He learns something positive about this, and also uh, he gets uh, the advantage of, of the double. So let's find out what he learns, because I don't know. It's going to be 13, surrender. 64. Structure, surrender structure. He looks at the base of one of these iron plinths and he can see that it's been worn away, not only by the ravages of time, but also it looks like someone has been actually, at some point, trying to chip it apart. He can see there's a large, large section of the, of the iron of the rock that's been, that's been you know, eaten away, sort of uh, right, at, right at the base of where the, the stone meets the earth. And as he looking, as he looks at this, he realizes that, you know, one good solid push would, would push this thing over. At some point, somebody had been trying to hack away at this stone plant, perhaps to break the circle. Perhaps it was actually an elf. Perhaps. Fraza had something to do with this. Maybe that's the reason why he was plagued by these by these dreams, because he himself was here attempting to break the circle to prevent this the 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 elves from being repelled by this place. Maybe this place has some sort of religious significance for them, who knows? But the point is, is that Arn now sees that this pillar can be toppled over, and perhaps, if done correctly, could be toppled over, landing on that altar and shattering it. So it's kind of a backup plan for him if he needs to. That was his gather information, so now is his face danger. Because he now has to roll face danger with wits to see if he can recall these words. So he takes Faraz's hammer and he puts it on the altar and he racks his brain to try and remember the precise incantation that Balathu taught him. The exact words to wrap his tongue around these bizarre elven syllables that that are just a little, little too fluid for a human mouth to properly pronounce, but perhaps you can get close enough to do it. This is a face danger using wits. Here we go. Face danger with the wits is... Well, that's going to be a plus. (laughs) That's going to be three, so that's going to be a failure. I am going to burn his momentum, which is at seven. Going to bring it back down to its reset of two, which will cancel that die. So basically he gets a weak hit on face danger. You succeed, but face a troublesome cost. He sets the hammer down on the altar. He says the words, and as he goes through it, again, he's racking his brain trying to get these elven syllables exactly right. It comes out. He doesn't even know what he's saying. The, the meaning of the words totally lost on him, but he's just reciting by rote what Balasu told him. And he knows he gets it right until the very last moment when his attention is taken by the sound of a crack. And the sound of the crack is from the base of that pillar. And for a second, it, you know, causes him great alarm because he thinks, "Uh uh-oh, is this thing about to fall on me? It doesn't actually fall, but it does create enough of a screw up in his recitation that he mispronounces the final syllable of the word. And what happens is, there is a power that emanates from the altar itself. It's like, it's not electricity, it's not anything like that, but there is a, an arc of translucence, if you will, that emanates very quickly up through the center of the altar that spreads out to the tops of all of these fang-like pillars, coalesces all around, almost like an arc of, as I said, it's not electricity, but something like it, and a blast of power shoots back down at Arn. Knocking him backwards and sending him flying back where he hits against one of the pillars itself and takes some harm His health goes down to three from that as he he's got the wind knocked out of him As he kind of he looks up, but he has succeeded. So this gives him another two successes on the uh, on the vow and you know what because of that match I'm just going to give him another, another milestone because of that. It's just the easiest way to deal with it, so that puts him up to six. To him, not much has changed. Everything looks the same. He sort of gets up. He sees no coalescing power, nothing like that. There's only the wind blowing across the bald top of this hill through the trees surrounding it. He goes up to the hammer, and he takes it, and he pulls the hammer off of it. Are there going to be further consequences for him to deal with right now? the nature of this mystical ritual. He did get it right, but he did kind of screw up at the very end. Is there any kind of repercussions from this? Or has this mystical power that's emanated from this altar in the, in the forest, has this alerted any nearby beings or powers that be to Arn's presence here? 51 or greater, the answer is yes. Zero 5. No, the answer is no. Nothing has been alerted. He takes the hammer off of the altar, looks at it, looks exactly the same to his eyes, backs out of the circle, (laughs) realizes he does not, in fact, have to knock that pillar down. But he was told by Balathu, he was told by Balathu that this place, which is of some importance to their people for some reason, which they did not explain. He was told that this place repelled them because of those pillars. He looks at those pillars and he thinks to himself, if I can break the repulsion that his people, that, that the elves feel when they come here, perhaps that will put me in even greater stead with these elves. So he decides he's going to go over to the, the, the damaged pillar and he puts his back against it and he pushes with all his might to try and bring this thing down onto the ground, preferably not under the altar because he doesn't understand the significance of the altar, he doesn't actually want to destroy it. But he's going to try and break whatever spell is preventing the elves from going here. Now, this may be really stupid, but the reason why he's doing this is because he wants to solidify his relationship with these elves. He, he, he's the first human to do so and since time out of mind. He is going to do a face danger with iron. His maimed leg does not do him any favors here as he puts his back against the pillar and he tries to push, push, push. The pain in his maimed leg, the old wound, is hard. Uh, but he pushes and pushes and pushes. And here we go, plus two, five. Oh my god. Oh no. <laughs> Well, that's a problem. <laughs> uh, your progress is undermined by a dramatic and costly turn of events. Pay the price, but also double zero. Oh, okay. Oh, awful. I think he does manage to push the pillar over, but let's find out what the price is, and I'm going to roll on the terrible major plot twist that happens because of this. Oh, wow. Oh, brutal. First of all, he pays the price for this failure. 69. It is stressful. <laughs> Well, it is stressful. As he pushes the pillar over, it comes crashing down and in mid-fall he realizes that his maimed leg has slipped just at exactly the wrong spot, which changes the trajectory of the falling pillar and it comes crashing down on that stone altar, shattering it into three large pieces. Well, he's broken the circle here, but he's also broken the power of this altar, whatever that was. He, he looks at the, sh- the shattered pieces and thinks, What have I done? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to take two spirit damage for that. His spirit goes down to three as he endures the stress of that. But that's not all. We have a major plot twist because of those double zeros. 27. Your actions benefit an enemy. Oh... Okay. The pillar comes crashing down onto the altar, shattering it into three large pieces. And Arne hears a sound at that moment. <sighs> Almost like the sound of the power going out, so to speak. All is quiet on the hill. He doesn't know what he's done, but he suspects it's bad. He does not know, and nor does he have any way of knowing, that the same power Emanating from this altar that was repelling the elves from entering the circle, that same power was also extending a protection around these elven areas. That shattering altar has brought down the protective magics that were preventing enemies from finding Windhaven. What did Balathu say to Arn last time? The creature has never been able to find our village. We are well protected here. Arn gathers his supplies, his maimed leg even more sore now. He takes the hammer, stuffs it away in his pack, and he makes his way back to the elven village. As I said before, the the night sky was light from stars and the the half moon above bathing everything in an eerie silvery blue luminescence. Well, he's gone back in the forest now, and that light is largely blocked from the canopy of the the treetops above him, but very soon as he gets towards that elven village, the sky is once again illuminated, except this time it is not illuminated by the stars or the moon. It is illuminated by what is very obviously fire, and as he gets closer to where he knows that elven glade is, where Windhaven is, he sees that the entire area is ablaze, is on He hears the screaming of elven women and children and the the cries of elven warriors above the treetops desperately trying to escape the, the burning of their village. But more importantly, above the sound and the fury of the flames and of the screaming of the elves, he hears another sound. And that sound is a deafening roar as he looks up in the sky and silhouetted against the moon Flames gouting from its mouth is Thalgalos itself. Thalgalos, which had been plaguing the elves as we discovered last episode. But because they were well protected by this altar, they were they were no longer plagued by this. Elf. He couldn't find them. But Arn has By accident destroyed the one protection that kept them free of Thalgalos' deportations. And as he gets there, his mouth opens wide as the beast comes in for another attack run. Gouting flame, a jet of fire that incinerates half of the village. Flaming elven bodies falling from the trees. Falling dead in front of him. Scrambling down the trees as quickly as they can. The elven warriors, some of them pulling bows and firing into the night sky at this speeding shadow that is Thaugalos, the dragon. Arn, his eyes welling with tears of guilt, agony over over what is what has happened here. Some part of him knows that his actions at the Circle are somehow responsible for this. Balithu appears out of the madness, out of the chaos, out of the shouting and the, the horror of the carnage around him. Balithu comes up to him and he shouts at him, Ayalanda what did you do? What did you do? As there is another roar from overhead as Falgalos makes another and with that we end this episode thank you so much for watching please don't forget to hit like and subscribe and if you want to help support the show on Patreon the link for that is in the notes below join us next time to see uh, what happens with Arn uh, here in the ruins of the Elven village as Thalgalos himself has arrived oh boy thanks for watching, we'll see you next time on me, myself and die